the time, it was actually very difficult news. And that was because we were no longer together. And it was kind of a very fresh um, breakup for us. So this news was kind of just like a new reason to be angry with each other. And we kind of just, you know, there's so many different emotions when this is going on. And when life just hits you like a ton of bricks, like it really does. And you kind of just got to sit down and talk about it and get it through. Like, I remember feeling so upset. I was crying. I kind of felt very confused. Like, did I do something wrong? Did he do something wrong? Like, you start replaying your whole life within the past three years. And you're like, okay, what did we do? And there's so many different variables that it's almost impossible to you know, really navigate through them and see pinpoint like what you thought was the actual issue, I guess. So it makes you angry. So what you're saying is that your first instinct almost, like the first thing you went to was to think about what you did wrong in that moment, like when you received the news. Oh yeah, hands down, hands down. You look at my son and there's so many things that you don't know because you're um, uneducated I suppose when it comes to children on the spectrum and your first instinct is like, well, he seems normal, he looks normal, and you just really don't know. And then you get this news and you're kind of like, well, how did I mess this up? Like, like what is going on? Like, like are you kind of just go through like these weird stages of denial. Uh, you're angry, you're upset, and you just feel like this hope helplessness almost and then there was in during that time when you got the news you never really thought um you never really thought like this might just be something like biological something that you can't help and you went straight into it's my fault or well yes and no i mean you start thinking about like okay well is this in you know my gene pool is it in their father's gene pool like oh like let's look at the history there when you kind of like exhaust all those different angles you go and research into you're kind of just thinking like well maybe it was something i did but those are a lot of things that you know they're just i don't know i tried not to like really spend that much time on it and just kind of just move forward and create a game plan and what was that like it was very it was very difficult because at the time, maybe I was making $14 an hour, <laughs> I don't know, which wasn't, which was pretty good, but not great. And I was kind of worried, like, are these types of therapies that I'm researching something that's going to be covered by my insurance or am I going to have to pay out of pocket? Like, who's the best? What do I got to do? Where do I go? Who do I got to meet? You start, like, I'm writing all these things down, stressing out while I'm working, trying to figure this out because you kind of just feel like you're not doing enough. And I was constantly putting pressure on myself because I wanted to find the right thing for my son. At 20? At 20. <laughs> At 20. Okay, I mean, that that's a lot. I think to have to deal with all of that, have to deal with the news of, of having a child with autism and then having been recently... Uh, broken up with your with your partner um and then having to do all this research and then even even going through like oh my god is this my fault or how how did we get here all at all at 20 and trying to figure out like how am i going to do this that's that's a lot to go through you know all like in a month you know it definitely is but i firmly believe you are not given anything you can't handle and, you know, I'm a real testament to that to this day because there's times where I lose a little faith and I get a full-blown reminder of where you are, what you're doing, and who you're doing it for. And that confidence comes back. And somehow, like, the universe just aligns and you know what you need to concentrate on. Thank you. 
Welcome to the second episode of the Resilience Podcast, and joining us this week is Carolina Gonzalez as the co-host. We have Tiffany Hernandez, who will be interviewing. She'll be discussing her experiences, the struggles that built her resilience after her child was diagnosed with autism at the age of three. Listen up and listen in. my kids at a fairly young age. I was 17 when I had my oldest son who's on the spectrum and 19 when I had my second son. My oldest son was diagnosed at three. Prior to that, um, my babysitter was actually the one that caught it and brought it to my attention. Him being my oldest son, um, you know, I don't really have like this big picture, know what to really expect aside aside from what's textbook, really, what you can read on, see how they should be developing. Uh, She brought it to my attention that she felt like he should be speaking more. And for a time period, he was speaking. And then suddenly it just kind of recessed. And it was kind of like we were just very stagnant. And sure enough, uh, you know, once discussing with his father, we took him to um, the pediatrician and they did an evaluation and explained to me that my son was roughly around six to nine month old developmentally. Uh, Soon after that, uh, I didn't really know what else to look into aside from them telling me the um, regional center would essentially take over and, you know, provide some type of care. What led to services? How 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 did how did all that happen leading up to the services? Well, it's actually a really awesome story. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. I uh, I was actually at work, and uh, I received this miracle of a phone call. Um, with an introduction, something along the lines like, hello, um, you know, we recently partnered with St. John's who uh, pretty much um, diagnosed my son. And I'm really interested in meeting your son. I want to, you know, let you know what kind of services we have available. We'll give your son an evaluation. And, uh, you know, why don't you guys come in? And I hung up the phone and I was like, thank God. I had been looking for something and, you know, once I really like read into it and I realized it was in my community, I could be there in 10 minutes. It wasn't somewhere super far away that was going to take me two hours to get to with like lenient hours. (laughs) It was pretty awesome. Um, You know, once I took my son in and they did the evaluations, told me like, hey, you know, like really want him to come back and we want to start off like an hour every day and it's weird because like when I heard that it kind of really clicked for me like whoa an hour (laughs) like what do you what do you mean I think it could have been like an hour to two hours something like that and I was like wow like what am I gonna do like this is like a real thing that I need to really make time for like every single day this is gonna be part of my life And it really did like make me understand like, okay, this like shit is real. (laughs) Your son is, uh, your son really needs his help and these people are here to give it to you. Like you really need to like make the time and figure it out pretty much. So what did you have to go through after that to, to make sure that he got the services? I mean, an hour a day is, is, or two hours a day was, it's quite a bit. And especially if it's in the middle of the day, especially if you have to work like a nine to five, how was, how did all that work out? Uh, well, it, it certainly was not easy. I, um, I remember having to move like my work schedule around asking if I could come in later or come in early. I had divided like all my time to the weekends to coming in as well. Uh, 
I was in charge of picking up my kids from the babysitter, making sure everything was cool. Then we go to therapy, we come back, I put them to bed. And this was like around the time frame in which like the kids were with me 24 seven pretty much. And my younger son was a baby. So for me, it was like, I'm carrying around my toddler and then I have my baby and we're just, we're just doing it all pretty much. <laughs> Did you ever feel like um, when you were getting these, these services, like an intervention happened, like, did you ever feel like, I, I can't do this. Like, he's just like crying too much. Like, this is just too overwhelming. It's overwhelming, but I never felt like I couldn't do it. Like, sure, in those like heated moments, like you feel super stressed out. You kind of feel alienated because no one around me truly understands like how it feels, I guess. Um, you know, there's very selective few that I can leave my children with that are kind of fairly equipped to handle the situations that, you know, may arise. Um, so you kind of, I guess I kind of just really felt like you feel alone, but I don't know. It was, it was, it's very scary at first. I remember feeling very scared. You don't know what to do. It doesn't come with a manual, like. You know, I couldn't hear, I didn't really know of any like support groups really. Um, you know, like I said at the time, like I'm pretty much kind of like a single mom. So I felt like, wow, like I'm totally not equipped to handle this. I'm like raising my family, trying to keep my job, take my kids, take my son to therapy and try to get enough sleep to do all this all over again, you know, every single day. If your child is crying a lot and, you know, and how do you keep them in services? Why do you keep them in services? What makes you think it's a good idea to do this? Um, it's just kind of, it's counterintuitive to have a child somewhere where they're crying a lot. Like it's not necessarily what people tend to do um, when your child is crying a lot. Like the, the first instinct for a lot of people is to pull them out of that situation. I knew that. You know, this is going to be tough, but it's not going to be forever. Like, he is a toddler. Like, like, toddlers cry. Like, this is a normal behavior. Sure, it was excessive, but I didn't think, not once did it cross my mind really to, like, this isn't right. And he was progressing so fast. I remember when we went in, he was not speaking. He was mumbling words. Like, our communication was really bad. And I want to say within about six or seven months, when he started uh, mimicking and mimicking our words and our sounds and stuff, it really just kind of, it was like the gates opened. And I remember, I have a video too. We were laying down and I was practicing with him. And, you know, I told him, I love you. And he said it back to me. And I started crying so hard, like for like an hour. I couldn't believe it. It was like, magical to me to hear his little voice and I remember those are like real big moments where it's like it's happening like it's only been like this amount of months and he's already here like imagine like where he's gonna be from from here until now like oh like what if he's able to you know go into like a normal classroom like with other like uh general ed and blah 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 like you start getting like these really high hopes and you know it's just those small little wins you really have to appreciate and so if you're always focusing on like these bad negative things like i feel like you kind of really just stay there all the bad these negative small things. little wins are like so the, important like the behaviors and all that stuff like the behaviors and yeah. all that the hardships or focusing on where he's not um, those are, that's all like the negative stuff. But once you started seeing him talking and understanding of where he was at and where he's where he was at like seven months later, that really kind of helped out. Like really focusing on that. What was your experience as a mother when he started feeling like getting therapy and you started seeing like you know he was having like these meltdowns, like these tantrums, and you started seeing other people work with him. Like how did you feel? Like what was your experience as a mother? I think it's kind of like 
you don't really know what to expect. And when you did the initial therapy sessions, like I wasn't really allowed to be inside only because like, you know, they're establishing their rapport with them and they're making that relationship and, you know, it's playtime, it's cool. But then you would hear your son crying and you're like, well, I want to go in there. I want to see what's going on or like, you know, try to <clears throat> alleviate the situation. And it's really hard when you're just kind of sitting out there and like, he's having like this whole meltdown. And you're like, uh, <laughs> do I not go in? Do I stay in? You know, and it's, it's, it's really weird. And you're kind of just like, all right, well, let's just let this play out. And of course, like, later in the future, you know, when we sit down and have this discussion, you're like, oh, you know, thank you for not coming in to relax them because, you know, we're trying to really make sure like this relationship between us two is, you know, we're going to get through this together. You know, it's, it's very temporary type of vibe, I guess. How do you think having a, a, a sibling that's, that was relative, that has been relatively close in age has been, has impacted his development? Oh man, I definitely think that my son wouldn't be as far as he has come without having that sibling. And it's, it is because having a, a younger brother really did affect you as far as like him picking up just natural things that children who are neurotypical, I say that in parentheses, <laughs> he wouldn't have seen firsthand had he be like a a single child, pretty much, you know, it's not like I was going to feel really comfortable bringing my son around other kids, other parents, when they have their own opinions, and they don't, they're like, not educated on the term, and, you know, it's, it's kind of weird, but like I said, um, I was very happy that my sons have each other, because they really do piggyback off of each other, it's, it's really hilarious to, to see, and them Growing up together really is has been awesome. Like my older son really does depend on his younger brother so much, and they have such a close knit relationship. And they still fight like regular brothers do, but, but it's just it's so amazing to see like how much my younger son really does care about my older one being on the spectrum. He's so well informed. He knows how to play with him. He knows when to give him space. There was this one time they were at the park and my older son is a very kind of not, well, he's kind of like a loner in a sense. He's not super social, but he's definitely more to nature and will just go off and do his own thing. Well, my younger son, he loves to go make new friends. He'll run around the play area, going down the slide, everything, right? There was this time where we were there and a child wanted to play with my older son and he was really trying to introduce himself. Then was just like, he kind of just looked at him like, what are you doing? <laughs> and my younger son ran up to them and he realized like what was going on. He's like, oh, like, you know, my older brother doesn't really want to play with anybody right now, but you can come play with me. And maybe he'll come play with us after. And it's just, I love to see like that sense of control. Like he knows that his older brother, the way he is, and what he's about really and he's really just trying to like make sure whatever situation that he's there he's gonna alleviate any kind of like awkwardness for him i suppose and so he does that on a regular is what you're saying yeah all the time what types of things do they play together they recently played minecraft together all the time or they'll build train sets still. Uh, hmm. Right now it's really mostly Minecraft and it's really cool because like my younger one is super into it and he's teaching my older one like how to code, how to build things. He's over here building stuff together. They're collabing. Like one of them has an iPad and they'll have my phone. So they're like in the same world doing their thing and. Wow, honestly, it's pretty amazing how much stuff they can build, including my my older son who is on the spectrum. Like he's really good at it. <laughs> okay, so there's video evidence of both my sons with gloves on, like pretty much getting down in the backyard. 
shirts off and everything just going like 100 and it, it's it's honestly like we can't talk about fight club obviously so <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding i'm not that mom but i have some spare gloves okay <laughs> So this is one of the ways that they play play with each other with gloves and they fight and enjoy each other's time. Yeah, it's one of the many thousands of ways that they play with each other. Like they're pretty much messing up my house all the time with their toys and their collections of things. Like especially my older son, he has a collection in, in almost every single category from rocks to stuffed plushies <laughs> and Thomas the Trains. Like my younger son definitely loves to make a collection with him. So I'm constantly having something in my cart. <laughs> they, it's cool because they do everything together but they still get on each other's nerves but they love each other like brothers do and it's so cool. <laughs> so who taught him how to box first of all? I saw uh, him boxing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that has a real role to do with their stepdad. Um, he is very athletic. He loves to take them out to play baseball, to throw footballs, to go boxing. <laughs> he he really tries so hard and does his very best on, you know, trying to get them get their foot wet and everything like make sure they experience everything and man I love him for it like there's things that I'd be scared to do on my own that he really takes the rein and it's like no we're gonna go do this let's go do that and the boys are down like they're 100% like I'm freaking out I'm like no 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 they're gonna hurt themselves but I'm like they're gonna he's like he reassures me like they're gonna be fine like they're boys that could take it you know like <laughs> and I'm like okay fine but sure enough like I like two, three years ago, I remember um, we went up to the mountains and I was scared to go sledding or like let one of them do sledding by themselves because I felt like they're going to go crash into a tree. And I'm not going to say that that didn't happen because I warned them, but <laughs> they did do it anyway. And they, and man, like that kid can take a punch. Like my older son's pain tolerance is so high. <laughs> I was like, wow, he just got up and he's like, I'm okay. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it's cool. Like, I realized, like, I shouldn't put that kind of, um, that emotion on them, like, make them feel like they can't do it. Because, dude, they can do it. They can do anything they really put their mind to. And <sighs> me just being, like, a worrying mom is kind of just, like, I don't know. I guess that's just, like, a natural thing that mothers do. But ever stop being that way. Yeah, I think you hit it in the nail. Like, uh, you, your partner, their father, like, you guys have been able to expose your kids to many things, you know? And yes, he has a diagnosis, but look at everything he can do, you know? And you were scared, and you're like, maybe he can't, maybe he can. I'm not sure, but you guys still did it, and he was able to. You know, a lot of times our culture, yeah, I, because they have a diagnosis, they're very scared. You know, they think that, you know, he has a diagnosis, he can't do this. And it's like, hey, like expose them more because they can do it. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely think that, you know, it's something that really changed within me, like me being overprotective and me like worried about all this stuff and it's just like you know like if if I'm gonna be like that 24 7 then like what is he gonna accomplish in life if I'm the one that's holding him back and I'm his mom I'd want him to achieve all these things like how awesome would it be if he achieved all these things and I really did come to that realization that like who am I to hold my kid back like I didn't want anyone holding me back and I had these big ambitions <laughs> so I I think that, you know, if we do those types of things and we hold our kids back, like, then what are we really, like, what are we living for if not, like, our children's achievements and, like, them being the better version of ourselves, you know? I kind of did want to know, like, how did you start getting him to, like, slide in that snow? Because, first of all, it's, like, snow and it's cold and it looks pretty scary. 
and your son to new things. You're exposing your son to something completely new, so it's out of his routine. Like, how did you do that? My son, it's cool because, like, his personality, like, you wouldn't really think that he's that outgoing, but he really is. When, especially when it comes to nature, if I were to just let him walk outside, like, he would go lay out in the grass and stare at the sky. Like, so this new, like, experience for him going up to the snow was really cool because I didn't really know, like, how he was going to take it. And it's kind of like baby steps. Like, we got off the car, we're walking through, like, this mountainside with all this beautiful snow everywhere, and he's super amazed. And he's really just taking it all in and you know um his stepdad was the one obviously to initiate like hey let's go like slide down this mountainside <laughs> and i was like okay like where i'm gonna chill back here i'm gonna let y'all do that and he's going down with my younger son and then you know he's right here just saying like my turn like my turn like and i was <laughs> like really i was like oh my god okay so I'm like, okay, do I, should I go with him? Or are you going to go with him? Like, let me catch him at the bottom or something. Like, we're all like, okay, how are we going to do this? You know, like, <laughs> and it wasn't like super huge at the time. Like, sure, he does way bigger, like, jumps now. But I, I think like that initial one, like, I remember him just wanting to really go up by himself. And he just walks on up there. And obviously he's prepared. I had like whole snow gear, boots and everything. So he wasn't cold or nothing. He goes up there with his sled. He just sit on it and he just slid down. He was just like screaming and laughing and it was just amazing. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, he totally did that thing. Like, wow. <laughs> it was really cool. Like, I don't know. There's sometimes where he just takes it upon himself and I'm just gonna be like, all right, well, go ahead. Do your thing. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's over here advocating for himself. He's like, my turn. Okay, it's my turn. I yeah, want to do dude. it. <laughs> That's he's awesome. Down. He's super down. That he's is always awesome. asking for something like, he's like, oh, I want airplane. He's like, I want to go on another trip. <laughs> I want to go here. Just randomly. Like he likes, just randomly, he'll be like, oh, he calls uh, hotels up houses because of like elevators. So he'll like randomly, he'll be like, mom. I want a house. Like, he's kind of, like, telling me, like, hey, let's get out of here. Like, let's go somewhere, you know? Like, <laughs> like little small things that I catch up on him, and he'll be like, I want Auntie's house. And in Auntie's house for him is Texas, so he knows he has to get on, jump on a plane to get over there. Like, <laughs> he'll just be like, come on, let's go. Let's go, let's go. And like, I'm tired of this place. Like, something new. Let's go. It's cool, though, because I like that, so I can totally appreciate, like, my kids being like, Come on, girl, it's time to go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you made him this way. I know. I have no one to blame but myself. <laughs> what, what struggles do you th did you go through during that time as far as, um, uh, I mean, you know, children diagnosed with autism can have some behavioral issues. Uh, difficulties or just kind of they can have children with autism can have some difficulties adapting to some environments and sometimes they don't necessarily behave the way we would like them to and so having you know being in that situation with the baby and him like what kind of situ what types of situations did you go through during that time is, is kind of what I'm asking okay well what well, to say it was easy, it was not. I feel like a lot of parents are battling like some sort of embarrassment, like in certain situations. Like I remember feeling like I couldn't bring my kids to like a to family parties or whatever because like their behaviors were just kind of like not the right setting for that, or you know, like you kind of just really feel alienated around other people, like I said, and those types of things, like those negative feelings, like I really, really tried to not have. And I just really wanted to focus on the good things, like where he is, like it didn't really matter what's going on outside the world as long as he's good. 
you you tend to go to out on a lot of outings like a lot of family outings with him and it's almost very like natural um when he's out in the community what how how did you get to that place or how 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 have you been able to get to that place with him um there's some kids that they have a really hard time going to different places just being in the community just little things like being in a supermarket are super duper hard for them being at the park sometimes can be super duper hard for them um being at amusements parks all types of different places can be really hard for them um it looks pretty easy for him but i'm sure that's taken some time to get there what have been some struggles that you have faced as far as um taking him out different places okay well growing up i was always a very adventurous person and i was kind of really always on the go and me having children that didn't really stop like i i naturally wanted to bring them everywhere with me like i want them to travel with me and want them to do anything and you know it did present a lot of issues with my older son being on the spectrum because you know any small thing could really just set him off and we, it would just go into meltdown mode but i really 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 wanted him to get through that because you know i'm not always going to be around and you know neither are his like family that really knows how he is and i always felt like if i don't try to make him i guess like fit in that's not like the right word i'm looking for but you know these are daily things that i want him to feel normal doing like going to go get a coffee and going to go have lunch or dinner with his family like it was hard i remember i had a birthday dinner once and i brought the kids and i'm with my parents and you know friends and my older son is just like getting up and running around the place and i was just like having like oh my god i can't believe this is happening like he wouldn't stop and if i try to stop him he was screaming throwing himself on the floor like a whole scene and it's just like it really just felt like oh, like okay like let's just go right now let's just oh i can't i can't do this anymore but i would always just think about it and i'm just like well it's not always going to be like this like he needs to learn how to behave inside of a restaurant, inside of a library, inside of a store, like on an airplane, like <laughs> all those things he needs to learn naturally. So I just bulldozed through it. Like I didn't care if he was going to cry, he was going to cry and the whole world was going to see whatever. I was only going to see them once in my life anyway. Like I just, I didn't want to feel like I was going to be locked up and he was going to be locked up. Like that's no way to live. Why? Because like he didn't know how to behave or he didn't like something like, sure, like I want to make sure he's comfortable as possible, but that's not a reality, you know, like, and I'm, I'm happy that I did do that. Like now my son is super comfortable. Like we could pick up and leave and we have a whole routine. We go get coffee. We come back and make breakfast. He does school and we go hit the park. We go shop. We take a weekend trip somewhere. We just came back from Big Bear this past weekend. And he goes sledding by himself, like, up this crazy mountain. <laughs> he knows how to wait for things. He's He helps me all the time now. And it's, you know, all these years, it's been about six years. What has your experience been like uh, in school? School has always been kind of tough on my son. And not because of the people or the curriculum. It's more or less, it really came down to him. Like, for a few years, like, it was a battle just to get him through the gates, like, into school. Like, I, it was, like, this social environment was, like, a lot for him. And he, I would probably be outside of the school for, like, a solid hour trying to get him inside. And my son was really strong for his age. <laughs> and I'm just kind of sitting here with, like, my older son crying and, like, I'm sitting at the car now, I'm trying to really talk him into it. And it's like, how do you talk to someone who can't fully understand like what you're saying? You know, like, how do you communicate those those feelings, your reasons for them having to go to school? Like for them, they're just seeing it's like, you're just making me do this, you know? Like, <laughs> so it's, it feels like it's impossible. I was coming into work super late. Uh, my boss was like, couldn't comprehend like, okay, well, why are you late? Like, why are you two hours late? And it's like, well, you know, I kind of had a really rough morning. 
trying to get my son into school, they're like, oh, what do you mean? Like, they totally don't even get the clue. But going back to school and stuff, um, he really struggles with, like, an authoritative place, I guess, with teachers. Like, he was kind of always, like, the only kid that wouldn't sit down and, like, listen or do his homework or do his schoolwork. Like, he was up and walking around constantly because he was just stubborn and just didn't want to do it. I had to come into school numerous times, bring in the whole team, sit down with the principal and the teacher, and, like, here's the situation. (laughs) And we all just try to make this game plan on how we're going to target these issues that we're having inside the classroom because it was like he was only acting like this in this setting which was like crazy to us because he didn't behave like that at home couldn't behave like that in therapy but it's like why is it just school that he's giving us such a hard time and what in those situations what did like the principals and the teachers tell you like what was their solutions like Their solutions were very minimal. It was like, okay, well, we're gonna give him breaks like every 10 minutes. Uh, We're gonna have him work for something, kind of like a token board, like similar to what we did in like therapy and stuff, having him work for things. But I kind of just felt like they were almost giving up on the whole situation because they're like, well, there's no real getting to him. Like, we're just gonna give him breaks because it's alleviating like our pressure of having to really teach all the other students and I realized, like, it's not just fair, like, for me to ask, like, no, he needs all your undivided time, you know? Like, that's that's not cool. Like, there's this whole classroom of the special needs children that equally deserve all this time and, you know, uh, a lot of attention. So for me, it was very, like, well, <laughs> okay, how do we tackle this? So you start going through all these different avenues, and I'm trying to figure out, like, well, the only way math my son is going to sit down and do the work as if I have someone there all the time, constantly on him. So we that pretty much drums down to having what they called a AAA, which is kind of like a like an assistant that's always with my son, making sure he's doing all his work, hangs out with him during recess, whatever he has to do. Uh, you know, after about three months. I finally got that (laughs) and it takes a lot of work you don't realize like how much the school district gives you a hard time and asking for things like this that you don't think like okay like why are you guys making this so hard if all these different avenues are kind of failing you you're jumping through hoops trying to get these things like calling all these meetings emailing all these people like trying to go above them going above that person and really trying you're constantly trying to make sure your child gets what they need and so many parents don't know that like i remember going to class not classrooms um classes for special needs parents yeah and i got super i got super informed i met lawyers i met teachers i met all kinds of different people and they're kind of really dropping the 411 and like, hey, this is a reality that you could be facing. Like, the school districts don't always, um, you know, give your child everything that they need. You know, in fact, they're going to make it really hard for you because it always comes down to money, in a sense. And so, so it, was it until until he until he started pushing for all of these other services that he improved his behavior in school, or was there any time in between there that he uh, his behavior in school like improved? I guess there was a small time frame that I felt like it had improved, and that was because like a lot of time had passed and my son finally had like this relationship with the teachers and the assistants in the classroom where he almost I guess the easiest word to say respected what they said and did as he was told and all that really takes time with him I came to realize like the initial every year the initial few months are always really hard because these relationships are so new to my son being around all these different people he's having to make all these different connections and like learning all the behaviors that he needs to do in this classroom 
So by the second semester, everything's kind of smooth sailing until we hit summer vacation. And then it's kind of like a whole cycle all over again. Okay. What do you, what do you mean about like, it's like a whole cycle all over again? Like what does he typically go through? Well, there's two semesters in a class, in a school season, right? The initial first months of him meeting his new teacher, his new TAs, his new classmates, it's always rough. I noticed because he's kind of really not listening. He's constantly just kind of ignoring what people say to him. Like he's getting up and doing whatever he wants. And it's just kind of like a free-for-all for all these months. And, he's giving, and like the teachers are always, of course, bringing it to my attention because a lot of the other kids in the classroom aren't doing this behavior. And it's just mine. So they feel like, oh, well, he must not have like, I don't know, some sense of like authority at home. Like it's it gets into like these weird, awkward conversations when it's in reality, like I know deep down that it's because he doesn't have these relationships with them and he's not listening to them because he doesn't feel like he needs to. So by the time like we hit a second semester, he finally has like, he understands that, okay, I need to take them seriously type of thing. And I noticed like from the second semester up until summer vacation, it's smooth sailing <laughs> all the time every year how have you so more recently during during covid about almost like the last was like 10 months he's he's been out of school how what has that been like for you and what was that what has that been like for him oh covid hit and you know you kind of feel like this weird uncertainty because like okay, like, if my son was having this hard time during school, really, like, how am I going to really achieve, like, a good, like, school setting at home where he has all his stuff with him and he's home, he's relaxed, he's not going to want to really, like, sit down and focus to do these things. So it was hard. You know, I'm learning myself <laughs> at the time. I really made, like, a workspace for them. I had to make sure I was sitting down with them all day for all their hours to make sure that they're doing all the work. And it's a full-time job. There was plenty of times where he was like, no way, slam the laptop closed, throw his books. Like, he's in total frustration because, like, he feels like I shouldn't be doing this at home. Like, I'm home. Like, I want to go play with my stuff. I want to do my thing. And you know, for him to kind of like relearn like his time and place, his new routine for everything, it was crazy. He hated it so much. But after being consistent and working through that routine, it finally really got down and we're, we're smooth sailing right now. Sure. So, like, so what you're saying is that it really it takes routines to to get them kind of settled into different places. Because what I'm hearing you say is um, in the fall semester, it's really hard initially because he doesn't have the relationships. He doesn't have a routine. Um, but then by the second semester, he kind of there's like this routine to the classroom. People have learned how to like work with him and how to guide him. And it's like smooth sailing. So then that routine is kind of set in. And in the summers, like the routine goes out the window. In this situation with COVID, the routine went just out the window randomly. And now, like you're having to have him at home and just build a routine at home when he never really was doing all the stuff at home. Oh, yeah. Like he lives and breathes routine. Like if he doesn't have that, it's kind of like a broken system to him like and it makes him super frustrated and he doesn't he'll have like these weird anxiety like frustration tantrums where it's just like this is all wrong he'll start freaking out and you know those routines definitely do help and I try my hardest to really stick to them like I never break from a routine if it isn't it's because something completely random walked in the door <laughs> okay and so even like waking up in the morning now, you're saying you go, you wake up, you go, you get coffee, you come back home, you have breakfast or you make breakfast. So, so that in, even in itself is a routine. Oh, 100%. If I do one thing like out of order, if I don't do one thing at all, like it throws our entire day off. 
Okay. And even like, so even kind of fighting through some of the other stuff that you were talking about earlier, fighting through like the going out to the park or going out to dinner, or even like on your birthday dinner, when you kind of had, when you, where you stayed there, where you were like over it mentally, but like physically you had us, you, you, you've kind of forced yourself to stay there. Um, intuitively you knew it was the right thing to do and over time through these routines that you've built even going out to dinner has been has become one of the things that you normally do with him and now as a result of that being a routine he's um he's uh, adapted to it and he's he'll go through with he'll go through it yes definitely i've noticed that like me persevering in those outings and just really small things like you don't really think it's a lot but for I realize for a lot of parents it's super hard to do all those small things just going out general and period like you have errands to do like you have to bring your kids you know and sure it's super hard like if your kid's having a tantrum because he didn't bring his favorite his favorite toy or he's wearing like a sweater that's bugging him or something like you don't realize like how crazy it will be but Jumping through those hoops and being consistent, I promise you, alleviates so many future issues that you will have. Like, we're super smooth sailing. Like, it's not perfect, and I'm never going to say it's perfect, but it's definitely gotten so much easier. Like, we're able to jump in the car and go. Like, he dresses himself. He brings what he ever needs to bring. We go do our thing. We come back, and it's chill. I really like the way you shared your story about like how you guys got him to like do the snow sliding, right? Mm -hmm. um, is there anything that you remember that's like a story like that's very impactful in your life and where you guys are at now? Mm -hmm. Yes and no. I feel like everything is pretty important as far as like where he is now. Like every small little milestone that he like crushed was always like a big triumph for us. Like no little thing was too small. I don't know. But um, I think maybe no. Nah. Never mind. <laughs> no, I I, I, I think you're you're on the right like like track. Um, like parents who have like neurotypical, and I say also with quotes, right? The kids are going through all these milestones, and sometimes it's not as appreciated, you know. And you. As a parent with a child with a diagnosis, you are seeing all these milestones. Like when he first said, mommy, you know, when he first said, I love you, and you were recording him, mm -hmm. you know, and you heard his voice. Or when you first saw him play with like another child. I think that probably like another more like milestone, I guess, for us was like him, him not being too shy around other people because it made me feel like my son's ready to open up and be around other people. Like, I guess people don't really understand, like, we have a child on the spectrum like a lot of their relationships are super close to like only their parents and like their siblings or something you know like they don't always get to establish that relationship with like their cousins or you know their grandparents and that in itself is actually really hard because like my my parents are um english speakers so naturally like my son got really what a well um he got really uh, comfortable with them, sorry. But if you go to like his father's side, like they're all Spanish speakers. So like they didn't get to really establish like this close relationship with them. And, it, and you, you can tell like, based off like how my son is around them, you know, like he'd rather be with like my mom, his grandma Lisa, as opposed to like maybe like his grandmother or something, just because like 
that open communication is just not really there because you have that language barrier. So, you know, I would wish that like my sons were able to pick up speaking Spanish and English, but that had that wasn't really accomplished like with them growing up. So now they only really speak English and it kind of like deteriorated like their relationships on the other side of the family, you know? And I kind of just felt like it went both ways because now like they don't have like a real understanding of my son. So I think that him building his relationships in and in itself is a huge accomplishment with a child being on the spectrum, just because of how hard it is from the get-go and how far he's come with those particular relationships, I suppose. How have you seen like his relationships like develop? noticed that he's very close to his uncle and our babysitter and that's because I felt like they really went out of their way to understand him as going as far as becoming um, behavioral therapist for a time frame you know like really jumping in and like putting all hands on deck to really understand him like I always felt like, like that was super cool um, to go and say like oh you know like my son inspired like my babysitter and his uncle to become this or going to the field and I don't know I think it's so cool to say like those are like huge accomplishments in themselves like making like seeing all these people like really just Twitter that's bugging him or something like you don't realize like how crazy it will be but jumping through those hoops and being consistent I promise you alleviates so many future issues that you will have like we're super smooth sailing, like it's not perfect, and I'm never gonna say it's perfect, but it's definitely gotten so much easier. Like we're able to jump in the car and go, like he dresses himself, he brings what he ever needs to bring. We go do our thing, we come back, and it's chill. Um so he's 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 nine years old now. What um What are, uh, I mean, he's growing up, he's going to go to, to uh, middle school, high school. Like, what are you, what are your plans for him? Where do you see him? Like, what do you think about his future? It's scary to me because I don't know where he'll be at cognitively and nothing is very promised. So, you know, like Matthew's in a great place as far as understanding communication his behavior it's all amazing and i hope it does nothing but improve but like high school for me like freaks me out like he's gonna be in high school by himself for a solid two years until his younger brother can join and i just feel like what do you what do i do what do i say to him on a daily basis you know if he comes home and he had a super bad day or what if he had a meltdown in the middle of class or what if he gets his feelings hurt? Like, like I just feel like all these crazy emotions because like, I can't even really prepare him for that. Those things that you're, you go unprepared for as a typical kid and like how it's gonna affect him. Like, I have no idea emotionally, like what it's gonna really do to him, you know? So it's, it's really scary, but I'm hoping that he becomes equipped to handle it. That's like the best thing that I can do. What are your feelings about him in, in like adulthood? I'm hoping that he gets the skill set as far as like uh, creating those relationships with people and him learning responsibility is super huge. I'm like, I'm hoping that he's able to pick up a job that, that, you know, obviously my reality is like, he's probably gonna live with me the rest of my life and I'm totally cool with that. But if he ever felt like he wanted to go do that on his own and move in on, on to his own place and hold on a job, like all I can really do is like, make sure I'm giving him all the resources, the skill set, helping him through all of it so he's prepared to do those things. 
and if he fails he fails and if he doesn't he doesn't then that's amazing like that's all i can hope for tiffany when you first like found out like he had a diagnosis or that he could have possibly something was like when that you and your babysitter said like hey like you should go get him like checked out like in that whole like that time frame that you were in if someone could have like held your hand in that process like you now tiffany what will you tell them I definitely feel like if you, okay, my first initial advice would be if you have a single doubt in your mind, go and make sure, go talk to a professional, like don't play around and play this waiting game because it's going to hurt you in the end. And moms are always right. I mean, parent, I mean, parents in general have that gut instinct, but if you have a doubt, like don't kid yourself. Go out there and make sure that your child, he or she, you know, is going to be okay because I feel like a lot of parents really don't understand the severity in which, like, this could affect your your child. If you, a lot of parents, like I noticed, don't, I see kids, I guess, that could be on the spectrum and they're like, oh, like, oh, they're just boys, like, they don't talk, like, girls talk faster than boys or... I remember growing up thinking like that, and it's totally not the case nowadays. Like, there's so many children being um, evaluated and put on the spectrum. And it's wild to me, like, suddenly, like, all these different cases are popping up where, you know, before, a few years ago, like, it wasn't really heard of. And you're kind of like, oh, what's that? And, you know, you start doing your research and you're looking into it and you're starting to get this understanding. You're like, whoa. Like, this is huge. Like, this really does affect you, your family, your life in general, you know? I think, like, during, like, so talked about, like, in the beginning, your one of your um, recommendations would be, like, just to make sure not to do the waiting game, right? And go with your mm-hmm. gut instinct and make sure you're communicating your needs. You know, like, your needs are, like, you need to be heard. You know, if you don't, if you don't like ask for what you need, you're not going to be fed. So you have to speak up. Oh yeah. So for sure. in that process, like you going through that process with your child, with the diagnosis and the interventions, and you're going through these tantrums and in that middle, what it seems to be now, like middle, middle grounds, right? Like, what will you tell parents when they're going through that? Like now there's like people who are looking at me. I can't take my son to the restaurant. I can't take my son to the grocery store. I can't take my son to, or my daughter to the laundry store. Um, what, what will you tell those parents? That, I guess I would tell those parents like, those moments of like that mild embarrassment or misunderstanding, like it will pass and it's not gonna stick around in your head like you think it will in those moments. Like I, my initial feelings were like, oh, this is embarrassing. Like, you know, your kid is screaming and kicking and you can't really do anything about it. And they're like thinking like you're a bad parent, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, (laughs) you know, that's really not the case, but those moments always pass and honestly like I don't remember any of them like I can't even give you like a full-blown like super embarrassing story because I really just don't care like those people that you don't you probably won't even ever see again anyway so what does it matter (laughs) and if you're surrounded by like your friends or family that want to bring that kind of stuff to your attention like in a rude way or something it's like then you don't really need those type of people that lack that compassion for your son like I feel like if those types of people are around you and you feel embarrassed to bring your kid around, like they don't deserve to be around you and your family and your child, you know, like that type of circle, like you have no business being around and they can just go on their merry way. 